This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Welcome to Sex and Science Hour. Oh, it's the best hour of the week every week. Yes, yes. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I am Stephanie and you are Brian. Of course. We're glad to be with you. Brian, you know, we've commented before. Okay, so this is episode five. I think on episode three, we had a little blurb on our show about how our theme song is actually the Russian March or the Soviet, Soviet March. March. Yeah. <laughs> we actually got an email from a Russian listener confirming that this is true. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, really, don't ask why I knew it was the Soviet march. No. <laughs> well, he said, greetings from Moscow. And uh, as a former Soviet military musician, he enjoyed the march in 8-bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, comrade. Yes, I mean, uh, sorry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can email us, of course, at show at sexandsciencehour.com. We've got a lot of great listener emails. And, you know, now we're, we're on episode five. We're getting more feedback from our listeners. We're actually getting too many listener emails to be able to fit in our shows. So this is great. We're going to have to oh, do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> Either change our format to be more email and less stuff, or I don't know what we'll do, but we'll we'll fit them in somehow. We'll squeeze them in. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an email special at some point. Who knows? That might work. Yeah. That's a good idea, Brian. Uh, so everyone wants to talk about Dorian Nakamoto, right? Oh, yeah. This is probably the biggest story going around, at least in the Bitcoin world. Now, uh, we were away at the Texas Bitcoin conference last week when the story broke. Right. I remember, like, it was the busiest day of the conference. I was giving a bunch of talks. I was get, getting up, getting ready to go. And I saw on, I, I looked at Twitter or I looked at Facebook or something and all over, people were tagging me and saying, is this real? You know, did they really find Satoshi Nakamoto? Yeah. And immediately I, I kind of skimmed the story and I was like, oh, this sounds like crap. I don't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> I was very skeptical. Yeah. And, and there were plenty of people at the conference, you know, asking us and other people like Andreas and whoever saying, you know, hey, uh, you know, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And Andreas I, said it was crap, too, from the beginning. Yeah. He said he's like, don't spread it. He's like, just, you know, let it die. Yeah. And uh you know, which I think was good advice uh, because, you know, I, I read it and really it had a very controlling narrative. In, as You're talking to where, about like the language that the yeah, journalist used, Leah Goodman, yeah, who wrote Goodman, the article right, Goodman for Newsweek. Seemed, yeah, exactly. Goodman seemed to like be using every trick she could in language to just force you to accept it. You know, and to, to make you it to not think about other possibilities. Yeah, and to make skeptical. it incontrovertible, which isn't so. In fact, there's been a lot of points clearly where she was wrong. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the, it, it is true. Like, <laughs> there have been studies. I I, I don't know um, where I exactly heard this, but you know those polls that uh, are done by public opinion institutes that show that people don't like Congress, you know, they don't trust right, the government? Right. Well, a lot of times on those polls, there'll be a question about, do you trust the mainstream media? And like 80% of people will say no, but the media doesn't report that, of course, because they're the media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, people are skeptical. And yeah, I think that's that's kind of that kind of fits with my observations about just talking to people. And oh, do you believe everything you hear on the news? People will say no. Right. But, but it is kind of tricky when you hear like a well-respected news source. And, you know, of course, the mainstream media is just struggling for relevancy, too. The real content is on the Internet. And actually, they're pulling their content from the Internet. You know, we see articles all the time where journalists write about um, stuff that they see on Reddit you oh, know, yeah. and, and Twitter. Yeah. And 
I mean, that just shows what the real content is really all about. Um, they're looking to these social media sources and the Internet for their um, content because that's what's interesting. Right. And I heard Newsweek was just coming back into like a print edition. They were bringing back their print edition, which I don't know why they did that. But uh, yeah, it's really a waste all the way around. But they had to have like some big story and they got it, even if their big story wasn't necessarily real. The thing that bothers me about it is okay, there's a lot of good circumstantial evidence that sounds a little bit plausible. You know, the background of Dorian Nakamoto kind of fits a little bit. It's possible it could fit. But there are a lot of things that don't make sense, too, um, especially, you know, that his language that he uses just doesn't fit with, like, the email correspondence that we have from the actual Satoshi. Yeah, Satoshi Nakamoto, the real one, mm-hmm. you know, speaks very good English. Yeah. Or it, types very good English anyway. It's, you know. it's different. And he's got little Satoshiisms that uh, Dorian uh, doesn't use. Right. But okay. So the thing that bothers me the most about this story is that the privacy of this guy, or I mean, we, we all don't have privacy anymore. I understand that. But this guy was exposed. This innocent guy, by all accounts, right. was exposed and publicly outed and put on trial for the whole world to see. For what? You know, it's, he was like sacrificed on the altar of Newsweek's ratings or whatever. Yeah, it, it doesn't make Leave sense. Leave Satoshi alone. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this guy was so concerned about, you know, someone kind of, I don't want to say coming after him, but about just being bothered that he called the cops the instant a reporter showed up at his right. door. And by the way, the, the article says, oh, he's libertarian. Well, guess what? Libertarians don't speak at the city council meeting and say, oh, respected counselors, will you put in a stop sign in my neighborhood? Yeah. And libertarians <laughs> don't call the cops. I mean, <laughs> no, exactly. well, maybe some of them do. But if he was that anti-government and he was this, this scary libertarian anarchist, right. he probably wouldn't have done those things. Right. And and he said that, you know, he called the cops because he was worried that if he talked to the reporter, he'd be in trouble. Look, the guy that made Bitcoin and that was well aware of the seriousness of what Bitcoin is would not be calling the cops for protection. He'd be calling a lawyer or someone if he was that concerned. This is just a, you know, really a very uh, humble, you know, old gentleman that just wants to be left alone and has probably done a lot of things, maybe not Bitcoin related. He cleared that up with the AP, mm. but has just done a lot of things working for the government that maybe he doesn't feel good about. You yeah. Know? And that happens. Some people just want to be left alone. Yeah. Um, there was a part in the story that said that he was... Uh, it- Again, going on trying to prove that he was a libertarian. There was a part that said, like, he told the his daughters, like, you know, start your own business and don't let don't be under the government's thumb or something like that. Right. And uh, he made a couple of other statements that were attributed to him that were libertarian sounding. I wanted to scream when I heard that. Of course he's libertarian. He's <laughs> Japanese. He lived during World War II. They were putting Japanese people in camps. Yeah. He wasn't in the U.S. during that time, but he, no. he would have known about it. Yeah, he would have heard about it in California anyway. He wasn't. A, he was born in July of 49, so yeah. he wasn't around during the internment, but or he wasn't alive. But, mm. I mean, certainly, he, you know, he moved to California in 59. He would have known about it. It wasn't that he, long yeah, ago. Yeah, he would have heard about it. There still would have been plenty of people talking about, hey, we got to be careful we got to be active in government because they lock us up just because of what we look like in the United States. Right. Know? So sure. Of course he's uh, he would be very skeptical of the government. Yeah. He would like teach his children how to hide, you know, it just makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, even um, the statements from Gavin were kind of interesting. You know, he didn't, he, he didn't say either way. Like he didn't say yes or no, this is, or isn't Satoshi. He did. He was disappointed. He expressed disappointment with um, the reporter, Leah Goodman right. for publishing this. But 
what he said was, I respect Satoshi's anonymity. And I, I love that because, you know, he's not going to get sucked into the drama of confirming or denying certain people being Satoshi. Right. And actually, he doesn't even know because he only corresponded with it or he probably doesn't know. Maybe he does. But yeah, though, apparently Satoshi Nakamoto himself has said Dorian is not me. Well, yeah, an account that was uh, associated with Satoshi back in two, you know five years ago yeah, in logged in again just recently for like the fi- first time in five years and yeah. posted, "I am not Dorian Nakamoto." Right. Which I mean, I, I, if anybody understands anonymity and privacy, it's Satoshi, right? <laughs> it's yeah. the real Satoshi. Yeah. He just he wants you know he wants to be left alone, and I think he sees Dorian being just harassed by the press and by all these people and talked about, and and uh, he empathizes, you know. And maybe you could say, is this like a tri- is this like a trap to lure out the real Satoshi to sacrifice this sweet innocent guy, <laughs> saying that he is actually Satoshi to try to get the real Satoshi to come out? I've, I haven't heard anyone say that yet, but. No, right. I mean, people are wondering, okay, how come Satoshi didn't come out when uh, when Zabo was, you know, was accused of being Satoshi Nakamoto? No, Nick Zabo, the yeah. professor, yeah. Or uh, uh, Michizuki, the guy that, that Ted Nelson, you know, claimed was it? how come he didn't come out then? And yep. it's like, well, yeah, but the, the press isn't hounding these people. And, you know, both of them, just no comment, and that was left alone. But with Dorian, that's not happening. With Dorian, the AP is asking him questions. I mean, yeah. just so many people are going to his house in Temple City. So, yeah, I could understand where the real Satoshi, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto would say, you know, look, he's, it's not him. And I wish he would have, uh, you know, ended it off with, please leave him alone or something. But, mm. Yeah. Yeah, and there... You know, all the other people who have been accused of being Satoshi, there is circumstantial evidence. You know, just like with Dorian, there is circumstantial evidence that says, oh, hmm, well, you know, this could fit, right? This person has a background in math or cryptography and he's Japanese, but he went to Princeton or something like that. And, um, you know, he's using these little language linguistic uh, phrases that match with Satoshi's writing. You know, all of that makes sense, you know, but I'm going to go with Gavin on this one and, and say, I I don't know who Satoshi is and I don't want to know. I want to leave him alone. And that's clearly what he wants. So I'll, I'll just respect his wish. We don't need to know. I mean, yes, like everybody wants to know the truth. I understand that, but some things, you know, if he requests to be anonymous, I'll, I'll honor that. He gave us a great gift. He gave an amazing gift to the whole world. And, um, Hey, I'll leave him alone for that. Yeah. And you know, I just, one last, one last comment. Uh, I am just so happy that someone can actually remain anonymous in a post prism world. They have to be smart to do that. Yeah. You gotta be really smart. This is a very smart individual. And I shouldn't say he, I mean, we say he, when we talk about Satoshi, but it could be more than one person. It It could be a a woman. It could be men and women. It could be a whole puppy pile of people. We don't know. Absolutely. (laughs) So, So Satoshi, we'll just say Satoshi, but um, yeah, clearly this is a smart individual because it does take a lot to be private in this world. Yeah, it's very difficult. Very, very difficult. So um, speaking of privacy, the NSA apparently masquerades as Facebook sometimes when they feel like dressing up, you know, putting on their little Facebook dress right. and uh, <laughs> getting your information. No, I'm just kidding. But apparently um, it has come out now through, um, you know, of course, Glenn Greenwald that the NSA has impersonated uh, Facebook website to spread malware on your computer. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty pretty vicious. Um, where you know, <laughs> because Facebook is pr- the biggest part of the internet right now. 
I, I think that's it's fair to say. It's the second most visited website, yeah, and everybody's on Facebook. Even I know people who resisted for a long time, Yeah, but they've given in. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, granted, there's parts of the world where Facebook isn't as big a deal, like in Russia, where people use VK or, you know, other parts of the world. Uh, in, in China, Facebook is a, is a problem. So, you know, I'll keep that perspective in mind. You know, I don't want to be so Western-centric. Uh, but, you know, in the Western world, it is, uh, you know, I've pretty much almost everybody uses it. There's plenty that don't, but, but I mean, you know, there's so many people that do. And there's and, so many people who talk about getting away from it, but right. they, it's really hard. It's like a black hole. Because right now, I mean, there have been articles that have come out that, that say if you don't if you don't use Facebook or you don't use social media, then there's something wrong with you pathologically. You have a mental disorder. Right, yeah. <laughs> because actually, you don't, you're not, you're antisocial or whatever. Yeah, they call you pretty much a sociopath if you don't use Facebook. Um, and so the NSA is using that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're setting up links and other various things to where you download malware. And what does that malware do? Well, it's what it does, you know, with all the other reports that we've gotten from uh, from Edward Snowden, you know, and Glenn Greenwald. Uh, yeah, they say um, so. Greenwald said um, the NSA has masqueraded as a fake Facebook server using the social media site as a launching pad to infect a target's computer and exfiltrate files from a hard drive so they can get your files. They have a uh, an implant plugin named Captivated Audience that is used to take over a targeted computer's microphone and record conversations taking place near yeah, the device. Ex exactly. Another called Gumfish can covertly take over a computer's webcam and snap photographs. Foggy Bottom records logs <laughs> of internet... Wouldn't you love to be the person Foggy that comes bottom. up with the names for these things? Foggy Bottom records logs of internet browsing histories and collects login details and passwords used to access websites and email accounts. Grok is used to log keystrokes. You know, what a terrible word to use. I love Grok. Like, Grok is a great it's, word. Yeah, from a, a Stranger in a Strange Land. I mean, yeah. that's a great throwback, but they've perverted it here. Yeah, exactly. It's what a, a terrible logger. word to do that to. Oh, terrible. Ugh. And Salvage Rabbit exfiltrates data from removable flash drives. So they can hijack your entire computer if yeah, they I want mean, to. Now, it doesn't just have to be Facebook that does this. It can be a bunch of sites, but... Boy, I wish people would really just start mass exodusing away, you know, from Facebook. You tried to do that, didn't you? You tried to, like, go to Google Plus and then you realized that Google's evil, too. Yeah, there was that and just nobody kind of came along, you know, and I guess my I personality know. wasn't enough to get people to switch. Man. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, your personality is great, Brian. I really love it. I don't know why people didn't follow you uh, down, <laughs> down the primrose path to Google yeah. Plus. But, you know, it brings up a discussion about privacy. You know, uh, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Like, it's so hard to get privacy now that uh, do you think sometimes it may be better just to be open? I wonder about that. Uh, and there's systems that may allow for being very open, like uh, Ethereum, that, that would that would allow for a very open society uh, to where everything's open, though. That's that's the that's the caveat. Yeah, that I don't know I'll, if I want to be open about everything. Right. Well, <laughs> but I mean, it's like, OK, I'll be open. As long as the NSA is open, too. As yeah, long that's as the, the problem. It's really too. just yeah. the double standard is yeah. that they can spy on us, but, you know, we can't. I, not that I want to spy on anyone, no, but, I don't, but if you <laughs> we want, can't do the same thing to them. Even with cameras, you know, if you film a cop, they usually get very mad. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even so that, though that's like fully within your rights to do that. So Right, but I mean, I'm open to being open, you know, even like with matters that perhaps aren't so... Uh, mundane <laughs> well there is a new study out that we were going to talk about that says um, it's better not to hide your porn 
It's yeah. better to just be open about it for relationships and for just general well-being because then you don't feel ashamed of it and you just, if you're open about it, it'll make your life better. I agree with that and that's actually pretty key, I think, uh, to, to one of the ways to thwart a lot of this uh, privacy well, problem. Secrets are used to shame people, so if you don't have the secrets that can shame you and if you're not ashamed of them, then you're not a victim of that. Exactly. Alright, this is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. Stay tuned. Sex and Science Hour is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, and we are so excited. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? Well, you'll have to listen to Let's Talk Bitcoin to find out. It's a twice-weekly podcast, and you can find it at letstalkbitcoin.com. Okay, I gotta know. Yeah, you really should probably get on that. It has a whole network? Yeah, we're part of it. How did I not know about this? You must have missed the memo that we were on their network. Anyway, now back to Sex and Science Hour. Here at Sex and Science Hour, we love EasyDNS. They let you register domains, handle security for your website, email addresses, pretty much anything related to DNS or domain names, they can do it. They have a friendly staff of actual human beings, so if you need customer support, they will always be there for you. Plus, they are outspoken advocates for your internet freedom. And they take Bitcoin, of course. They now have fully managed WordPress and web hosting, too, so you can do everything you need related to your website from EasyDNS. Take a look at their website at EasyDNS.com. We think you'll like what you see. Trust EasyDNS.com for your DNS and web hosting needs. Now back to Sex and Science Hour. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. I'm Stephanie. And Brian. And uh, we're glad to be with you. Hey, Brian, did you know that uh, there's some good news? Bacon won't kill you. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jesus Christ is uh, is Lord or something. (laughs) Not that kind of good news. Although we were talking about Dorian Nakamoto in the last segment. And uh, I had a friend who made a joke who said, like, you know, when the uh, the Satoshi account uh, logged into that forum and said, I am not Dorian Nakamoto. Uh um, He said that was that's like Jesus posting on r slash Catholic. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That is, that's clever. <laughs> so yeah, no, the good news is bacon will not kill you. And this is uh, an article from Chris Cresser. Now, this is interesting because I always heard that, you know, oh, processed meats, especially bacon and like lunch meats that have nitrates in them or nitrites, um, both, you know, there's, they're cured with um, sodium nitrate usually. And um, people say that this is bad for you, that this will cause right. stomach cancer and all kinds of other bad things to happen to you. And oh, of course, the saturated fat is bad. Um, You know, every time in the the press they say saturated fat, it's usually preceded by artery clogging. Do you notice that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the artery clogging saturated fat. Like they sound like Alex Jones or something. (laughs) They're so fear mongering when um, saturated fat is not um, actually artery clogging. There's a long history behind that that we don't have time to get into. But I mean, there's a lot of research coming out now that is debunking that hard. Yeah. You know, I, I can't help but feel and please, I'm not I'm not insulting. I, I wish like that that vegetarianism and veganism worked for me like that. It was healthy for me to eat that way. Um, but I feel like a lot of times that this stuff gets spread really hard by people, you know, these ideas like that nitrates are bad and all this stuff, you know, even with, with the slightest bit of evidence, it gets pushed by a lot of these groups, mm. um, you know, that, that really support vegetarianism and veganism. And I get it. Like, I think it's important, you know, I love the, the ethics behind vegetarianism and veganism. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really, I, and I support people to eat whatever way they want to eat. Me too. And I've uh, tried it. You've tried 
Yeah, we, I've tried it for tried years. It, it and just doesn't work yeah, for us. Yeah, no, I mean, not, not, not a healthy thing for me at all. Uh, but I, I feel like a lot of times that's how this stuff gets spread really, really heavy. Mm. Um, well, you know, natural bacon uh, that's uh, sometimes marketed as, you know, nitrite-free or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, often they put celery powder in it because celery has nitrates in it. <laughs> So it's not really... Yeah, so it's not really... Yeah. I mean, b- vegetables have this stuff too. And for all the healthy stuff about vegetables, yes, there is, there's a lot of nutrients that are found in vegetables. However, um, if you're a plant, you don't want someone to necessarily eat the vegetable parts. You might want someone to eat your fruit or an animal right. to eat your fruit so it would disperse the seeds. That would be great. So fruit's usually not very toxic. However, you don't want an animal to eat the vegetable parts because they don't contain seeds that could be dispersed in the animal's poop or whatever. Yeah, uh, they, they are the, the, the flesh and blood, the, the parts of the plant that are important. They're the leaves, they're the stalks, the roots or whatever. So you don't want something to eat your body. <laughs> you right, know? right. So plants can't get up and run away so they have to make chemical defenses because they are um they are stationary yeah this is where like spicy food comes from is just that it kind of evolved to to protect itself to yeah. not be eaten oh exactly and some of the chemicals that are in like broccoli and cauliflower they're sure. to prevent bugs and animals from eating uh eating the plant sure so i mean i'm, I'm really happy about this because uh, i've eaten and still do at times a lot of hot dogs uh and they are like nitrate you know, the the most nitrate-dense thing out there, I think, so... Right. Well, so this is from Chris Kresser that we're reading, and he's um, he's kind of big in the paleo world, I guess. He writes a lot of articles. and Yeah, he's, he's really outside-of-the-box thinker, though. Like, I mean, he definitely doesn't follow the, the, the paleo, uh, uh, you know, wave the paleo banner mm-hmm. uh, as much as some would think. Well, he's saying here in this article that he looked at the original research that uh, was claiming that nitrites and nitrates can cause uh, stomach cancer and that that's just not true for a variety of reasons. Right. Right. And there's other talk about how, I mean, nitrates, you know, they don't even last in the bloodstream for five minutes. So how could they cause a lot of what's being talked about? Well, they can apparently they can be converted into um, nitrosamines, which are you know, a, a cancer-causing chemical, or they can, can can be converted into nitric oxide, which actually helps open up your blood vessels, and that's like a natural thing. Right. He also says there's natural nitrite in your spit. I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. And also in vegetables, right, which is why the natural bacon has celery in it. Right, right. I mean, I th- I, if I remember right, at the end of the article, he even makes the claim that they might even be healthy, you know, nitrates and nitrates, that, that they may not be a bad thing at all. right. Yeah, and I know the um, I know the conversion to nitrosamines is inhibited by vitamin C. So if you're eating bacon or <laughs> whatever these nitrite-containing foods with uh, stuff that contains vitamin C, then you might be okay. Right. I just thought that was really interesting because it's very uh, it's it goes against the conventional dogma. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything says, oh, these are carcinogens and all that. And then yes. come to find out, oh, there's no evidence of that. It is brave to say this. Um, so yeah. kudos to Chris Kresser for, um, you know, stepping outside of the uh, of the conventional bounds yeah, and here, here. <laughs> saying that bacon will not kill you. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brian, Ethereum is mining on the testnet, huh? It is. Actually, I'm mining it right now. Uh, I mean, it's not. It's not a whole lot to see. There's an alpha client, and it's really, it's all very proof of concept that they make sure you know that it's just proof of concept. It's on the test net, so I'm not actually going to have any Ethereum when Ethereum finally gets released. Uh, but it's, you know, it's interesting watching it happen. So what, the point of mining on the test net is so that other people can test it, you know, or so that you can participate in testing it out? 
Yeah. And pretty much, you know, so you could, you could actually do transactions with Ethereum and there's like a little spot for contracts, you know, I mean, it's all very basic. There's, this is not a pretty client at all, nor is it meant to be right now. Um, but you know, it's just to have something out there because really Ethereum is getting a lot of press. And so I think I imagine the developers feel it's pretty important mm. to have something real out there uh, because otherwise, you know, you're, you're pushing a product that doesn't actually exist yet. You're pushing an idea that that's getting a ton of press, uh, even though the codes out there, all that stuff's legit. No question about it. Uh, you know, but so, so they, they needed to have something out there and you can download it. You can try it out. Mac windows, Linux, you know, uh, and, uh, and it, it worked for what it does. And again, it's all very, 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 very basic. Okay. I can't, <laughs> I can't say that enough because I think people are like, Oh, this is, you know, I'm going to download the future right now. No, no, no. It's, it's all basic, but. So it, let's back up for a minute. What actually, is Ethereum for somebody who doesn't know what it is? Sure. Ethereum is essentially a platform. It is a, uh, you know, a, a blockchain platform that uh, allows for all kinds of things. Essentially, it allows for the, the proving of contracts, the transfer of contracts, uh, but you can attach anything to it. Anything that has, a you know, that you want to operate on a blockchain, uh, you can attach to Ethereum. It allows for, you know, DAOs, uh, distributed autonomous organizations, uh, which means, you know, essentially robots running your business to some degree. Uh, well, running the parts of the business that you don't want to run and you right. don't have to care about, right? right and it's right. a cheaper way to do that than to, you know. Yeah, and, and it allows for, you know, a, a reputation system that really can't be, you know, messed with or that, that can't be, you know, because it's all being done within the code. Uh, so it, it's just it's a platform that that allows uh, various types of technologies to coexist and work with each other. Right. And trustless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it better be trustless. I mean, because they're talking about doing, um, you know, trust funds and smart contracts on here and uh, financial exchanges and things where cheating would be really, really bad. And of course, it's going to be better than our current institutions, because in those institutions, you, you can cheat. They're not trustless. You oh. to, somebody's saying, trust me with your money. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And we know where that money goes. Um, but yeah, Ethereum can seemingly do anything. I mean, it's really impressive. Uh, you know, it has the Turing complete language, uh, which really allows it to, you know, to handle just about anything uh, that gets thrown at it. So, but, it, you know, the amazing thing is that it is getting a lot of press because it's not the only game in town yeah, claiming to that. do what it does. Uh, Nextcoin can do this, can do a lot of the stuff that Ethereum is talking about. Uh, BitShares can do what Ethereum is talking about. So they've got an incredible marketing machine. And hey, I'm glad for them. And frankly, I think everybody's glad for them. You know, all the other, you know, the quote unquote opposing teams, I'm sure, are very, very happy for them. Uh, so, but they had a, an article in Wired actually recently, uh, just a few days ago, where it was saying that uh you know like it ended off with and it was written by by a woman who was looking at okay how do these decentralized systems like ethereum how are they going to be worked at with within you know the 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 law like how, how exactly are these things going to work with governments and all that stuff and of course you know the the, the important factor of a lot of these ethereum bit shares and whatever else is that they don't need governments that's kind of the point <laughs> right exactly you know is that they're just they're not they're not necessary at all so are people missing the point oh certainly certainly and and now the, the woman did bring up a, a very interesting concept of an interesting point that you know you don't want to trade uh one tyranny you know, maybe a more physical tyranny for tyranny of code, meaning that, you know, if Ethereum runs everything and Ethereum somehow ends up being, you know, Skynet or something uh, that you, you know, you essentially fall under that tyranny now and that you actually don't gain freedom, you lose it. 
Uh, and, you know, people, I mean, I, I don't think it's unfair to ask that question, uh, but I do think it's, you know, I have to wonder about the irony of someone who is concerned about the legal aspects of this uh, saying don't fall under one tyranny when you're wanting to just adjust it into the tyranny we already have. Uh, it, that doesn't make a whole lot of well, sense Well, the tyranny to me. we already have, some people can escape it by get, right. getting into government, right? Right. But but then I I wouldn't be active. If I'm asking that question, I would expect that question to come from someone that isn't actively trying to bring it within the law that already exists. I mm -hmm. would, you know, be like, well, let's see what happens otherwise. So I don't know. You know, it, it was the Wired article was, was very gracious in admitting that it's brilliant code, you know, and it's a brilliant idea. And I agree with both of those statements uh, that that it is. I just like I'm absolutely amazed at the marketing that is behind Ethereum. Mm. Again, I'm not knocking it we gotta, at all. We got to give them credit because yeah. we, we didn't say who's involved with Ethereum yet, which is, you know, Vitalik Buterin from, you know, people may know him from Bitcoin Magazine, but now right. he's becoming more well known for this, right? And sure. Charles Hoskinson and we've got Anthony Diorio and right. there's a, a bunch of other people involved in it too. Right. Yeah. I mean, and just a fan, like I said, a fantastic marketing machine behind it. And I think really where is this coming from? Why are people so interested? I think part of it is that, Bitcoin is finally getting realized by at least the mainstream media as hard as they're trying to, to tear it down. I think they're realizing that, look, this isn't going to go away. So let's look for the next thing. Let's look for the next bit of news, you know, the, to, to come from it. Uh, and a lot of these, you know, sources wired and whoever else have a little more integrity than Newsweek does, you know, for, for, you know, pushing a, a, yeah, that's a not crazy hard to story. Accomplish. Yeah. And so, the, you know, they're just, I think everybody's just looking for the next thing. That's true. Not just for the media. That's true for, I think everybody. Yeah. Well, one of the things about Ethereum is that, you know, Vitalik says that the reason why he wanted to like build something completely new is because Bitcoin is just not, you, you just can't like put these next generation protocols on top of Bitcoin and have it work. I agree with that statement. Uh, the the coding language, you know, it's it just doesn't it does, have everything. Yeah, that it's it needs. limited by design. Satoshi, you know, made it that way for mm -hmm. for some for for some good reasons, and you know, for others are debatable. Uh, and so, certainly, yeah, he wanted something that was far more open that could literally do anything. That's why he went Turing complete. All right. Well, there's more coming up. We're going to talk about European socialism coming up. We've got an email about it. Wow, talk about laws. <laughs> Right. Speaking of the tyranny of not the code. <laughs> Speaking of tyranny, we're going to talk about Euro socialism coming up. This is Sex and Science Hour. Stay tuned. Sex and Science Hour is looking for sponsors. We do our best to do an entertaining show that is heard by thousands of people each week. Do you have a project, business, product, or service that could match our audience's interests? Let us know. Contact Brian at letstalkbitcoin.com to find out more. That's Brian with an I at letstalkbitcoin.com. Here at Sex and Science Hour, we really appreciate your support. We've received tips from listeners, not just in Bitcoin, but with other altcoins. Those are always listed in our show notes in case you want to send us a tip, which we thank you for very, very much. If you don't have bitcoins, altcoins, or you just want to send us a tip in a way that's free to you, all you have to do is click on something, then you can help us out. Simply do your normal shopping on Amazon through our Amazon affiliate links. Those are listed in our show notes, and we've got Amazon US, UK, and Canada for you. Thank you so much for all your support. And now, back to the show.
This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. Stephanie here. And Brian. Brian, we got an email that I really wanted to talk about all the way from Holland. From Holland? Yes. Terry writes in from Holland. And he, I think Terry's a man, but I'm not sure. I think, yeah, I think it's safe to say. I don't know. Terry, Terry's one of those androgynous names. It could be Teresa or it could be That's true. Terry, like a guy. I don't know. Yeah, pretty <laughs> Terry, sure it's a guy. Okay, so Terry, I apologize if I'm confusing your gender. I have a lot of gender confusion myself, so don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I'll call you a guy for now. Um, but Terry says, being from Holland, it amazes me how American the people from the LTB network think. And we are, of course, on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. That's what Terry meant there. Sure. Uh, which makes sense, he says, because the majority is from the USA. But I often view things, but I often view things from a different perspective. Taxes, for example. <laughs> He's got a different perspective on taxes. <laughs> he says, our tax percentage is much higher than yours, but the Americans seem to have a general attitude towards uh, of distrust co- towards the government on what they do with the money. Over here, we have good roads, public transportation, and social security. We had something like Obamacare long before Obama was born. Teens don't need need to be good in sports or walk around stage in a bikini before they can have a scholarship. They just need to study and the government will pay. Holland is obviously not paradise, but the general consensus is that our tax payment is money we contribute to the community, although we wish that others contribute more than we do. Whereas the approach toward tax and inflation in the U.S., it almost seems like the money is money that you worked for, but somehow the government steals it from you so that they can buy weapons to kill some brown people. And uh, that's a pretty that's, accurate description. Yeah, that's exactly that's, what it is. Because <laughs> that's what happens. He's got it. He's got it nailed there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that brings me to my question. He says, "A few years ago, Greece went bankrupt, and it had a huge impact on Europe. Meanwhile, the national debt per capita in the U.S. was slash is much higher than in Greece. The USA should have gone bankrupt long ago." Terry, I agree. I agree as well. Absolutely. <laughs> but they didn't because apparently people are still borrowing them money. And I think he said borrowing them money, but I think he means letting them borrow money. Yeah, kind of like, like China. China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's true, too. When Bitcoin becomes a huge success and replaces much of the fiat money, like email replaced a lot of the dead tree mail, I love that, <laughs> and the government can no longer use inflation as income, what will happen then? Will America go bankrupt? If they do, what will happen? The American dream is about the self-made man whose heart beats faster when he hears about freedom and individuality. Therefore, Bitcoin sounds great for anarchists slash freedom lovers. But would you really want to live in an anarchist society where each person provides for himself, where the government has little or no power to suppress the citizens, but neither has the but also does not have the power to protect them and provide what they need? What do you think, Brian? Would you want to live in an anarchist society based on Bitcoin, where the government doesn't have any power to suppress us and doesn't provide what we need? Yes. Yes, me too. <laughs> yes. Uh, a great question, Terry, by the way. No, I mean, really. He and really it, brought that up in a very um, respectful way, and yeah, he's got it. very reasonable. Yeah. And and I I can understand. I, I mean, there's a lot to address there, really. Uh, we can address the main question, but, but I mean, it is important to point out that, yeah, when I think if someone saw, like, you know, I use the example of Norway. Okay, there's a country, high tax rate, not at war with anybody, and they're not in debt. You know, in fact, they might be a singular nation in the fact that they're not in debt to anybody. Mm. Um, And if I were in that country, I don't know that I would have come to the point where I realized that, hey, you know, you know, tax taxation is theft and all this stuff, uh, because, you know, what what's being done wrong with my money? You know, I would say, well, nothing. Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, Brian. I mean, we do live in a state where the government is constantly at war. The defense 
budget, right. so-called defense, it's really offense, but they call it the defense budget, right. is, <laughs> is, is huge. And it's higher, actually, than the, the, the social entitlements and the social safety net so-called programs, which are a joke because... Um, actually, the so-called Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, is making it less, making health insurance less accessible. Right. I lost my health insurance plan. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, and the Social Security, they don't actually have the money, but they've promised it to a lot of people. So where is it going to come from? It comes from the young people at yeah. the time who are young at the time when it's paid out to the old people. So it's a total mess. I mean, and Terry knows that, obviously, but just yeah. for our other listeners. And to me, the thing that really bothers me most like this is the root of it all is that everything the government does is by force it's it's taken from us that he he um, calls taxation stealing or he says that americans think of it as stealing and mm-hmm. that's absolutely what it is if somebody else said hey i'm gonna put you in this cage if you don't give me 10 percent of your money that would be stealing if anyone else did it but if the government does it it's called taxes right right so that's what i have a big problem with i mean the other thing is when you get services, so-called services that you are forced to pay for, the person that's providing the services or the entity that's providing them has no incentive to do it well or to listen to your um, feedback about what you want out of that service. So it's really not an actual service. It's something you're forced to pay for. Yeah. And they've got a monopoly on it, so they have no incentive to have good customer service. So, yeah, and it, it's something that... If the person is because I think what they're saying is, is that or I think what what Terry might be trying to say is that, well, you know, you can just, you know, the people can can vote, you know, these these guys out, you know, the politicians out. And then, you know, you know, your your tax dollars can go to a better thing. (laughs) And that requires a change of mindset. And that's really why I want to that that's I have the same. I actually I want the change of mindset, too. What's the change of mindset? Because last time I checked, 95 percent of incumbents win reelection. So there's you no, really can't vote them out. Right. But but and voting the, doesn't work anyway. Sure. But the belief is, is that you could and then you could stop the wars and, and all this stuff. Oh, I see. Do uh-huh. I think it would work? No, I don't. But uh, but that's the idea is that you could vote in people that want to do good things with your taxes uh, instead of people that want to do, you know, horrendous things with your taxes. Um, But that's really it is that that change of mindset where I want where I want people to think that, okay, we can do good things for each other with money. That's exactly the anarchist world that I'm looking for. You know, is to where people have that change of mindset. Mm. And I agree right, you know, with the people that are in charge and with the way the world works right now. Okay, yeah. Anarchy looks like a scary prospect. But then so does every government sound like a very scary prospect. Yeah, the governments are the scary thing to me. They're the ones droning people, dropping bombs on people, spying on people, uh, busting in doors. You know, there's a a SWAT raid every 18 seconds in the U.S. Radley Balco has documented that, you know, and uh, sometimes they get the wrong address. They kill dogs. They kill people. This is the police I'm talking about. Not even going to the military and all the horrors and atrocities that they commit all around the world. Right. It's not even limited to the U.S., and we're forced to pay for it. Right. Nobody pays taxes because they want to. They pay them because they're scared of what will happen if they don't. Yeah, because you'll get, eventually, at the end of the day, you'll get locked up or even shot. Yes, that's uh, the gun in the room, so-called. That's, yeah. that's the fact that everything government does, they do by force. Yeah. They are extracting money from you and me by force, and that's not fair. Right. And that's not okay. Right. I mean, in Norway, you know, if people just had the like the better mindset, I know he's talking about Holland, but I'm going to use Norway as an example because uh, it's something I'm a little more familiar with. In Norway, if everybody just, you know, was like, well, you know, we know where our money's going, we're good with it and all that, um, 
frankly, you actually wouldn't need government because people clearly just already know you know, where the money should go and what it should do. Exactly. Then it's by consensus. Right. And and then they say, well, you got a few bad eggs. But if the bulk of people, you know, are just naturally good and, and, you know, know what they want to do with the money and all that stuff, um, then the few bad eggs can't hurt you, you know, because the the bulk of the people, you know, you know, know where they want their money to go to good roads or uh, bad eggs or bad apples. Um, Bad. Why don't we just say bad people? Yeah. (laughs) Bad people are attracted to positions of power where right. they can abuse that power and and be corrupt. Right. And, and that's exactly what we see with government. And exactly. so it brings up the old um, meme or the or the adage of if people are good, then you don't need government right? right? because they can govern themselves and they'll be fine. If people are evil, then you don't want government because the evil people will get into power and right. they will oppress everyone. Right. And if some people are good and some people are evil then we also don't want government because the evil ones will go in the government and oppress the good ones. Right. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's really what it, what it comes down to for me is that there's just this dichotomy that, that, that people play up that really doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, if it was a, if, if, if we're talking about an organization that's sort of um, a club or a cooperative or a community or something like that, where everybody agrees and everybody's saying, yeah, I, I would like to pay, um, a thousand dollars to build this road, or I would like to pay this much to um, have a new roof on my house, or or this much to have health insurance, or whatever. Right. Um, and everybody agreed to that and was co- genuinely consenting to that. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. And in fact, I think that's probably something that would take place in a society without a coercive government, right. where people would actually get together. And we've seen this in in historical examples where there was, um, you know, very small government or not much government in some areas, people would get together in mutual aid societies and they would help each other out. They would have their own types of health insurance that that would be a pool of people kind of contributing a little bit of money. And there would be a, a doctor that goes around and, and takes care of everyone and is hired by the pool, uh, the pooled money that they collected. Right. And that's all done on a voluntary basis. And there's so many examples of that from, um, you know, homeowners insurance to, uh, to kind of um, lending clubs to networks where people get jobs or whatever. Um, humans are social creatures and you can live out in the woods if you want to. You can, you could be a total individualist and isolate yourself from everybody if you wanted to. I wouldn't, you know, begrudge anyone from doing that. However, I don't think most people want to do that. I think most people do want to be social and you don't need a government to live in a society or in a, um, in a community communities can manage themselves on their own. And that's what I think I would choose. Yeah. I mean, anyone that, that really believes in like individualism, I mean, there's certain, yes, there are people who want to go off in the woods and, and, you know, do their own shtick and not rely on anything. Okay, fine. Um, but anybody that believes in individualism generally also believes in the idea of the division of labor. Yeah. Meaning that they recognize that it takes, you know, thousands of people to develop a radio. You know, and that it's not, you know, there, there's, commu- oddly enough, it, it, it seems paradoxical, but in individuality, there is a sense of community all the same, you know, and I think the other point that I just want to bring up is that there's, there's a lot of people who feel, you know, like the idea of wanting to have an anarchist society, a society without governments. Okay. If your initial premise, your initial belief is that human beings are naturally evil, then I can't see where anyone would ever accept an anarchist society. 
Uh, well, how are you living on your own now? I mean, if everyone else around you is evil, I mean, is right. the government protecting you from all these evil people? No, crime still happens. Right. And, right? and, and some of the evil people are in the government. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there's even people, you know, that that's a concept that falls under like original sin with Christians where they think people are naturally evil. But right. there's plenty of people who believe, you know, who, who follow the theory of evolution that think the same thing, that we're naturally animalistic and in it for ourselves. And I just I want to disprove that really fast because there is a volcano that went that erupted about 70,000 years ago. It's called the Toba supervolcano. And it actually it was so destructive that it brought down, you know, the, the numbers are are kind of kind of shift but a lot of people think at least it, it wiped out humanity to about five thousand people you know this is seventy thousand years ago long before civilization we're definitely in touch with our animal side right. if there's an animal side to humanity the fact that from five thousand some even say as low as a thousand people moved on to where we are now is proof that we are not just a bunch of vicious creatures that are offing each other constantly, even when we're in touch with our animal side. In fact, we actually work with each other to where we grow into what we are today after such disruptive events as a volcano that wipes out millions or at least hundreds of thousands of us. Yeah, we, we need each other. Humans, yeah. humans need each other. And innately, we know that. I, I agree with you. I mean, we do need each other to have better lives, to, have, to, to make uh, innovations you know, to uh, live in a comfortable manner, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of truth to those sayings that like it takes a village to raise a child and yeah. so forth, but not the village is not the government. The village is the village. It's right. people. It's people. It's not a coercive, um, top down hierarchical institution that can force you to do things and that people who are your, supposed to be your equals are in charge of. Right. That's not what we need. We just we need uh, each other on the same level, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So after that uh, libertarian screed, I think we're going <laughs> to we're going to move on. And Terry, great question. Thank you so much for yeah, writing in. It. Really appreciate your yeah, email. Great questions. Great points. Yes. And we even got to talk a little bit about uh, Bitcoin in there. And after talking about Terry's question, I did just want to give um, some resources for anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more about the concepts of liberty that we've been talking about sure. or, or anyone who just wants to hear our new, or our other work because Sex and Science Hour is maybe the way that you know us, but we do actually have some other projects which are really cool and we want to highlight them. So, Brian, you host a show called Sovereign Tech. That's right. It's S-O-V-R-Y-N tech.com. Uh, and, and it's it, a technology podcast and it's about how technology and science will set us free. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a fun fun show. I am the producer of your show, so I'm a little bit biased here. I'm see I'm I'm revealing my bias. There's no <laughs> such thing as objective journalism, but I'm revealing my bias here. I am Brian's producer, but I'm also a fangirl of his podcast. Oh, thank I you. love your show. Thank you. It is so good. It's so entertaining. And you come up I don't know where you come up with some of these thoughts and some of this news, but I love to listen to it. So Yeah, I will say that I guarantee you're gonna hear things you will not hear anywhere else. <laughs> it's totally true. True. So Sovereign Tech, S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com takes you to your SoundCloud page That's right. where you can subscribe to the podcast feed. Uh, I, I don't miss the show personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian and I also work together on something else, which is a show called Free Talk Live. Now, Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio show, and it's on actually seven nights a week. So every single night... Sunday through Sunday. Three hours a night. You can hear Free Talk Live from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And the archives are, are up for free, and they have a podcast, too, on SoundCloud. And uh, you can find all that at freetalklive.com. 
Now, Brian and I are only on the show together on Free Talk Live on Sunday nights. Right. But every single day, they are on the radio talking about freedom. So if you have questions about any of the stuff that we kind of tried to haphazardly cover with Terry's email, that is probably a great place to go to learn more about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big show. It's the the, the number 42 uh, talk radio show in the country, in the United States. Mm. Uh, I mean, and it's it, on a lot of terrestrial radio stations. Yep, over 140. Uh, I mean, this is not some small time thing. This is the, mm. this is the big leagues of radio. And a free podcast, too. So yeah. you can listen to the archive. If you want to call us, like you don't have the opportunity to call in here on Sex and Science Hour. But if you want to call Brian and I, you can call us on Sunday nights on yeah, Free Talk Live. Absolutely. Because you can. it's an open phone show. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. But mm-hmm. it just so happens a lot of it's very liberal oriented and for our european listeners it would be like probably midnight when they're listening to it but hey you know some people like to stay up late we get a lot of european callers (laughs) we do actually Uh, you can call on skype so it's not just a phone call-in show so um and the last project i want to mention is uh, i am on the podcast let's talk bitcoin and you've probably you probably have heard let's talk bitcoin or are familiar with it if you listen to this show because we are of course on the let's talk bitcoin network so i won't harp on it too much but we are brian we are actually coming up on our one year anniversary with let's talk bitcoin that is amazing yeah i'm so excited you know the history of let's talk bitcoin is fun and we'll probably get into it on a different show adam will make a book (laughs) yeah that's right Uh, it's it deserves a book because it's a really cool uh, show. And, you know, we've been there kind of covering the Bitcoin world in depth at a, at a really high level um, for you. So if you're at all interested in Bitcoin and you have some familiarity with it, I definitely recommend checking out and subscribing to Let's Talk Bitcoin at letstalkbitcoin.com. So I think now it's time for a sex topic, right? Yes, to let's light, talk about sex, things baby. Up. There, <laughs> can you sing that? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Wow, oh, yeah. somebody... Get in touch with uh, Salt and Pepper there. Uh, (laughs) I think I'll stick to podcasting. (laughs) Don't quit your day job, yeah. That's right. Uh, So there's a study that's found that you are not addicted to porn. Have you heard this, Brian? Like, there's a lot of people going around saying you are addicted to porn. I've I've heard this. Never believed it. You know, never never believed that 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 was, like, true. It's not just porn. I mean, so there's a couple of different threads I see in this. There have been people for a long time who have said, oh, well, there's this thing called sex addiction. And basically some people have too much sex. They're addicted to it. And they, you know, they have a problem. There's something wrong with them. The the human, let, let, I, I'm, I'm a man, so I'll talk about males. Okay. <laughs> the human male, on average, every five minutes to an hour produces millions of sperm. Okay. Even after, even after, you know, you, you. You know, you do your business, you ejaculate, whatever. (laughs) Okay. Five minutes to an hour later, you've got millions of sperm ready to go again. The idea that, yeah, it's impressive. The idea, okay, that you were designed to like just keep storing that up for months on end or whatever, or that, or that somehow like there's this idea of sex addiction, that that's not meant to be released often. I think evolution would tell you a different story. That stuff's, you know, it, it's built up that fast again to get back in the game. Oh, yeah. And I mean, actually, there are some popular um, cultural figures out there, let's just say, who propagate this myth of like, 
uh, the no sex before the game myth. Oh, yeah. Have you heard this? I've heard it. Where people claim that, you know, if you if you orgasm too frequently, then you won't be able to concentrate on well, your you productive work. If you ejaculate. Oh, it's only for men. Yes, yeah, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Right. But that is such a myth. And actually, it's been debunked by actual scientific studies where they took athletes and they measured their athletic performance before and after sex. And they actually perform better after sex. Right. Male and female. Yeah, it's it's really it's kind of strange that there's this I, I don't know there's there's like this uh, there, there's this cabal or there's this there's <laughs> oh no strange, you said cabal yeah there's a strange group in in culture around the world and some you know around the world some cultures are better about it that is just so like anti sex. You know, it's yeah, it's, and they want to back it with like pseudoscience too. Yeah. That's the other thing. And it's strange where you know anybody. I mean, like genetic determinism. Go down the list of theories that most scientists readily accept. You know, say that no, there's there's no such thing as too much sex. There's no such thing as like you know watching porn like does something. Now, I mean, okay. Well, do you think there could be? I mean, if somebody's doing it compulsively, if somebody's doing it instead of like eating or whatever, or somebody's doing it like so often that they can't do anything else. Oh sure, that that's a problem, but I don't think that's necessarily what's being brought up. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think that's no, no that's not the norm. First of all, and also, right. it's not what's being talked about. I think that there are lots of people who would like to group in nor- very normal sex havers and porn watchers in this group of addicts who have a problem. Yeah, I mean, now like take porn. Okay, porn can give you a skewed view of what sex is. Okay, I I will be the first person to admit that. Okay, uh, and it can be demeaning to women, but that's a lot different than saying that you're somehow addicted to it. You know, th- those are two very different animals. Sure, yeah. And speaking of different animals, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> but thank you for listening to Sex and Science Hour. We're almost done for today. Let's Talk Bitcoin.com is where you can hear our show and subscribe to our podcast feed, which is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast feed. See you next Thursday. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. 